It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. It's episode 302, Barely in Topic, third season. Woohoo! And today we have Jeff and Tim, along with me, VA. I'm here. We're in the first week of the hockey season. It's finally here. Yeah. Can you believe it? It's fucking hockey time, and I'm so happy because that was that off season dragged a bit. Um, even though it was you know slightly shorter than the last two. <laughs> slightly, yeah. I mean, we had two weeks of playoffs, I guess. I mean, it's better than no weeks of playoffs. Yeah, that's also true. This considerably is considerably so, in fact. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But I still, I still remember that defe- de- that defeat, and it's painful. Anyway. Well, yeah, particularly because we lost to the team that, like, who's coached by the guy that sucks joy out of hockey. Guy Boucher, Guy Boucher is basically a hockey dementor. That's a very accurate statement. <laughs> very accurate. Not, not only that, the thing that pisses me off about losing in the playoffs is we had so many injuries and we still had a chance to win the series. If we, It just makes you wonder what if no one was injured. Look how close every single game was. Every single game. <laughs> yep, that would have been a different thing had the injured guys not been injured. I'll see. If we had, we had a full full strength, I think we would have run over them roughshod. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's, yes, that's <laughs> the past. We're talking about the present, and it looks pretty bright so far with one game in. <laughs> Sample size and all that, but that was. It looked good. It was a fun game. They're perfect right now. They're perfect. The road to the perfect season is on. It is. They're one and zero. That's great. I think they should just end the season and start the playoffs right now. Well, you know, I mean, if they did that, we'd be um, uh, third in the division somehow with Detroit in the playoff running, which is, you know, again, sample size because Detroit will ultimately revert to being awful this season. But uh... Vegas oh. would be division champs. <laughs> oh, Timmy. <laughs> Um, according to TSN, not quite. They're uh, they lose the um, uh, they, they they lose the first tiebreaker with with Los Angeles on on goal differential. Oh fuck, Los Angeles. <laughs> That's accurate. That's accurate. Yeah, yeah. But you know, Timmy, I know that you've like you've gone Vegas crazy. I'm on the bandwagon. It's in my Twitter profile. I I, I know, <laughs> but I'm worried that you're forsaking your primary team. All right, we should actually get into the real business of this. One game in, played without Bergeron and Bacchus and Krug, uh, all of which are dealing with various injuries. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to talk about a transaction that happened just as the season was about to begin with Malcolm Subban. Finally, well, he's no longer a part of the Bruins. We're just going to talk about injuries right now and people who aren't with the team. I think that's okay. the proper way to do it. All right, yeah. so so like I said, the first game we we were without Krug, which we knew about that because he had broken his jaw, non-displaced fracture of the jaw, which means that he didn't need surgery and he just uh, needed to basically rest and have no contact. Yeah, and as of yesterday, he was wearing a a, a regular regular um, a jersey at practice, not non not no contact. So you may see him tomorrow. That is to say, the the home matinee against the um, uh, the Avalanche. 
The manatee. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's been about three weeks, and I don't think we even really talked about it, but he, he's been out for that time, and and uh, it's good that he's coming back because, you know, it was fine to see Grizzlick out there the other day. Grizz, Grizz had a pretty good game um, in limited minutes, I thought, so. Yeah, he was definitely not on the ice towards the later part of the game, that's for sure. And even Brandon Carlos uh, was not on the ice for periods of time during the later part of the game. But anyway, that's we're going to talk about that later. Carlo did assist on Brad's goal, though, didn't he? Or am I mistaken? Yeah, but for every time they sent out Carlo, they sent out Chara and McQuaid in the in like the final minutes of the game. They sent them out twice as much. They were they were not really putting out pairs so much as just players. Well, plus the whole at the end of the game, they're playing you know six on three for a while. So uh, being, it's just no surprise that they um, coughed about a chunk a chunk of that lead given the circumstances. But uh, Right, right. We're gonna we're gonna save that. We're gonna come back to that in a little bit. But anyway, the point is, Chris was fine. Uh, but Krug's your your guy, so it's good to have him back. Yes. Uh, they won the game without Bergeron, who has an unspecified lower body injury. It is still as of this morning not skating with contact jersey. He skated um, alone in the morning and then went switched to the non contact jersey for regular practice. Apparently. So I would say that I might I would venture we're not seeing Berkey tomorrow either, but I could be wrong. I would love to be wrong. Yeah, he's day to day, but it sounds like if he's if he's in a non-contact jersey today, it means that he's less likely to play tomorrow than not. Yeah, I would say the uh, game in Colorado is the earliest we can realistically expect to see him. Oh, that's but good. I, yeah, that, that that yeah. They're lucky at this point. They have so many people ailing that they only have a few games in the first week. Like yeah. They, only three yeah. in the first actual seven-day period, which seems like it's a normal amount, but we're going like four days in between the first and the second game. I mean, there's teams that have already played three games, right? So... Yeah. I mean, well, just a, it's just two, I think. It's just Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, but... Uh, well, it's nice to have the time off at the beginning of the season while guys are injured. I kind of wish they would flip-flop and put it at the end. Yeah, I'd rather not have idle time now when everyone's still, you know, reasonably fully charged, Most, most, except for the injured guys. Mm, it's what it is. I'd like the injured guys to be not injured, but that's... Oh, yes. That's easier for some players like Bergeron and Krug to come out of that. Uh, the, we have a, a couple of other players who are a little more sidelined now. Yep. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Let's talk about David Backus. Okay, so... Yeah, Backus um, missed a couple of days of practice with a mysterious ailment at the time. And I think it was during the game on, on Thursday when they announced what it actually was, was. Yeah, I believe it was during the game that I remember getting the uh, actual notification on the phone with the uh, diagnoses there. Yeah, I saw it later on after the game. He, uh, he has diverticulitis, which is an inflammation of pockets of the intestine. But basically... It's a very serious illness, and uh, people like to make fun of this and make light of it, uh, but basically, from what I could gather from the uh, the information that was put out, he is actually getting inpatient treatment at MGH, uh, which means IV fluids, that's how he gets his nutrition and all that stuff, and antibiotics, so he get the swelling to come down. And that, we're just guessing that that's what's happening with him and that he's going to be in there for a while until they figure out what exactly is going on. Because right now it's just the inflammation. He could have another underlying thing going on with that. So they're saying two to four weeks now? Is that what they were saying? I think uh, I saw three to four, yeah. 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 Okay. So, so basically that is like a start. And when he comes back, he's going to be underweight 
And he's probably not going to play very well if he even gets back into the game after he is cleared to practice, but he might not be able to be in a game for a while. Well, because he's probably, after I go a few weeks not eating solid food, he's going to get gassed fast, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I know the NHL doesn't do this as much as other uh, sports do, but I would almost prefer that, like, once he comes back to do almost a rehab stint in Providence first to kind of get some game legs. Yeah, I mean... uh... I don't know if if he's ever done that or if they've done that with a player like Bacchus, but they definitely did that with Achari last year. They've sent him down to Providence for a while. Yeah, it, yeah, just, it seems to happen less in hockey than other sports. You but. see some of it, but usually not on big dollar guys. Right. They'd rather just have them out and have their 13th forward take, in, take a game, I guess. Yeah. But we'll see, because he might actually need a rehab scene if, if they can actually make it happen. Well, see, because that's the same. Best case scenario, three to four weeks and it would probably be a while before he's effective. Right, right. And um, worst case scenarios are not pretty, so let's not talk. Let's, yeah. Yeah, We're, yeah. I, I think that um, my main point is that there are people out there who don't like Bacchus, and they think this is like a great funny thing, and they want to make fun of it, and this is actually a serious medical issue. I know, uh, you know, I've had family members who've dealt with this. It's not fun. Really not fun. It's kind of one of those, for me, it's just one of those illnesses. They don't even want to wish on someone that you hate. Like, it's just one of, it's just so trying for the person who actually mm. is dealing with it. Well, it. And even if the inflammation goes down and it goes, and it goes, it's no longer diverticulitis, the pockets are still there. The diverticulosis is more or less permanent, right? So it can always happen again. Right, right. <laughs> so it's just, you know what? Let's just hope he gets well soon, um, that he takes his time to come back to, to play a game. I'd rather have David Backus be out um, and getting his strength back up and, and leading a normal life and then getting back on the ice rather than rushing him back and he's garbage uh, on the ice. Okay, I don't personally think he is, but he might play that way. And people are just going to be just all over him as they usually are. Uh, don't wish bad things on people, okay? Even if you don't like the player, it's just, you don't like the contract. It's not the player. So shut up people and especially with Bacchus by all like accounts he's like a really actually a good human being we joke about people being liking people's charity work but he actually does a lot of really good charity he's not a bad person he's actually one of the people in this world of with so much hate going around that's actually one of the good ones so wishing some making jokes of something that he's going through is just not it's it's stupid it's it's idiotic and it's just a it's one it's hot takes what it is Yep, yep. You know what? It's one of those things where it's like, you know, players have different charities and everything, and he tends to have, uh, he has a charity where he wants athletes to stand up for animals, to basically promote animal adoptions and, and, and fostering and all of that. And these are good things, because as people, we, I, I, I'm a big believer that you need a pet to make you feel sane and right in this world, you know? Um, I'm, I'm fully on board. <laughs> because I have not had a dog in a while, and I feel like a malfunctioning android that's basically how i would describe myself all the time so he does good work he's a good person don't make fun of his illness if you're gonna be that asshole um i'd rather that you didn't comment and didn't listen and just go do your own thing in your own corner you're a jerk you know (sighs) glad we could get that out yes um i feel bad for him i really do i would not wish that on anyone i don't really want people to be injured maybe specific people in this world, but they're not hockey players. Although I don't like Nick Benino. 
no, actually, I think I would want um, uh, Tom Wilson injured because he's just an asshole on the ice and actively tries to injure people almost every shift. Oh, my God, I hate him, too. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, someday I hope we can compile a list of, like, players that we hate. Um, but David Backus isn't going to be on there for me. Okay, so why don't we talk about an injury that happened in-game that actually crushed my heart. Nolachari caught up, um, I think it was a puck, hit him in the hand during the first, halfway through the first. Yeah. Uh, broke his index finger and apparently required surgery. Yeah, it was probably an, it was probably a displaced fracture of the index finger. Although, honestly, it could be any fracture. They will usually put a pin in it, you know. Yeah, and so he's out um, uh, six weeks. Six weeks. Yep. Um, just when I thought, like, he was going to have this great season and I was very excited for him and no injuries. Like, you know, it's like... And we were stoked to have this really awesome fourth line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not the end of the world. It sucks. It's not like he had ligament damage in his his foot. He's still going to be able to skate. He's just not going to handle a stick for yeah. a while. And, and when he can play, mm-hmm. he'll be fully functional almost right away, probably. Because he's a fourth line guy, so it's his the, the details of his stick handling aren't aren't a big part of his game which means he'll probably when he's bet when he's ready be able ready be able to jump right back in give or take yeah i mean i hit it the other night he had a chance to score and no <laughs> it will come in time though it will come in time i know that so so yeah i mean what what you're missing is like a a big body although he's not really tall but he's a big body who can finish follow through with a check basically right ball, yeah Plays really good defensively, right? Again, that 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 um uh, Nash Achari Schaller line is so much fun, and it's a shame not to see him. Looks like we're probably going to get an extended run of uh, of Corrali on that on that line. I'm, I'm playing the left side with Schaller on the right, based on today's practice lines. Which isn't yeah. bad. We're kind of lucky that the uh, bottom half of our for- bottom end of the forwards there we have a lot of depth, especially with Corrali, because I think that'll. I think while it stinks that Achari is out, I don't think that that fourth line will necessarily miss much of a beat with Corrali on there. No, but you know what? This was like the first year of his one-way deal. Oh yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It's definitely and I I just wanted it to be awesome. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, but that actually also points to another interesting situation the Bruins are in with all these injuries. Um, because we're carrying a very full roster, even though we have a lot of players on cheap contracts, the team only has about two hundred thousand dollars in cap space at the moment, Oof. which means we the team cannot call anyone up. Um, Not now, unless they put Bacchus on LTIR. Yeah, Bacchus and, uh, and Achari are both eligible for LTIR. And I suspect that's probably gonna what's going to happen. Achari is definitely going to miss enough games. I'm pretty sure Bacchus will as well. What's like the minimum games you have to miss for LTIR? <sighs> Bacchus might be fringe, maybe projected fringy, but they can also, when the time comes and they find it's going to be longer, put them on retroactively. Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, that's a bit more complicated, right? Um, I, I thought to... it was like five or six games. Oh, that's IR. FAQ. Hang on. I think I think IR is fewer than that. But Yeah, but we're looking for cap space relief. Ten, minimum 10 games and 24 days. Oh, well then, yeah. I mean... Achari's guaranteed. Bacchus is... Fringy. I would actually put Bacchus on LTIR regardless, just because I even 24 days. I mean, that's kind of in between that three to four week period that we had talked about. However, honestly, why not give him more time? He's not going to be back in four weeks. Can we no, be honest about that? Probably not. No. No. So, why would you yeah. put a guy who's been going through that treatment back on the ice? You know, it would be at least another week. I would say probably two, and he's probably still not going to look the same. I think that they have to look at doing that, and that's a 
a, a very valid reason to do that. And let's say we have the personnel on, well, we don't actually have the personnel on the roster moment. People do have to go down, right? Uh, Austin Zarnik is still practicing with the team, but he's on IR, so he's not, it doesn't count to our 23-man roster at the moment. Likewise, Tori Krug. I'd like to know what illness Zarnik had that's causing him to be out this long. He's skating full contact now, apparently, today, so. Oh, okay. Well, I think he had, like, the flu or something. Yeah. Yeah, so... If, as soon as one of them, one of the two of them comes off uh, IR, someone has to go down. Presumably, Krug comes on. Riz is going to be straight down because they got to make space, make space that way, right? Zarnik comes up. Yeah, he comes back. <laughs> he and Crowley are the guys that are most likely to get sent down. We're obviously going to be using Crowley. So Zarnik's probably going to get, as soon as he's back, reactivated, sent, sent to Providence. Because the team's scared to lose Frank Vetrano. Well, yeah, he, he, he won't clear waivers. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is tricky. Like, you know, I mean, this is, incidentally, so it's hard to say what's going to happen with this team right now. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Well, the good thing is, is one, we have 81 more games. Yes. And this is not a fun thing to ever have to go through at any time of the season. But if you want, I mean, if you're, you're, if you have to struggle to get your team ready in the front, uh, the beginning part of the season, it's much better than trying to get them ready for the playoffs. Right? Yeah. And the good news is how many players we have that are on very cheap contracts right now. You have a lot of players on very high end. Middle class is pretty underrepresented on this team, dollar wise. You know, basically it consists of Bolesky, Spooner, Chara technically now, and like, and uh, Adam and, and McQuaid and Miller. So that's the, you know, over the million to, the million to, to, four, to four million range is pretty underrepresented on this team, fortunately, because we have a lot, of, it's had a lot of cheap players. But again, we're walking the line. The good news is we also have a lot of players on ELCs who are probably more than ready to get you know spot call-ups it's a it's a good position to be in also i do have a little bit of stuff here um based on practice it's it cassidy said bergeron he's progressing and will be a game time decision tomorrow also about krug and zarnik that they will be uh game time decisions uh but he also said that he uh cassidy also said he assumes that uh krug will be good to go okay so oh yeah by the way i i forgot to mention this uh when we were talking about nolachari specifically i loved how cassidy described his injury it's just so funny he was like um uh, upper body lower body it's upper body if he's waving at you it's lower body if he's tying his shoe and i thought that was hilarious because now we know it's the finger we had a feeling it was because he took puck right off his glove and collapsed to the ground in pain but you know i just thought it was a funny way to describe it <laughs> yep, yeah, i think that was a recovery from, mis- from from him misspeaking i think because <laughs> that happened i think after we all knew what it was even too i think he just accidentally said lower body yeah and then press called him on was like and then he nicely done n- nicely done bruce <laughs> also just kind Good of safe <laughs> with the practice lines that they have going on today it was martian spooner and then bergeron pasta and then debrus crutchy bjork schaller nash crowley boleski's now that's an interesting thing that they made change during the game actually was a swapping pasta and bjork i think it's because they basically wanted to put pasta to help support spooner on the other side uh support spooner with marshand whereas krejci was playing well whereas krejci and the kids were playing well enough that they could be self-sufficient yeah i i think that uh the your your top line although it was probably not your top line the other night the uh the brad uh spooner whatever line i think it was probably better to put pasta there because they could do stuff and you know and also so you have a line that's rolling and a player that's rolling independently because Bjork had a truly phenomenal first period. 
Yep. Um, so put him on the, with the other two guys that are buzzing, and they, you know that, that paid off pretty high dividends in the second period. So it, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how it was for you at home. While I was there, I was just sitting there, and I'm like, I'm trying to keep track of lines. I'm not doing a good job of it because none of these lines make sense. After a while, it was it just did seem like it's like I'm gonna roll this player out, and then I'll roll this other player or two players out, and it was just like it it seemed like you know a lot of the good coaches do that a lot. That's one critique of of Claude was Claude's like these are my lines yeah yeah I was gonna say that's a kind of a whereas, difference whereas well, you look at Quenneville or Laviolette they have one or two lines they stick with but everything else is a blender <laughs> so so for me it was just a matter of uh, I have to get used to watching a, a different coach's style I think so yeah uh, because even though I watched, you know, like almost half a season of Cassidy, uh, he wasn't showing his true nature at that point. We have a lot of youth on this team. You kind of have to go at, uh, go as you see fit. And honestly, with the youth, this is one of the faster Bruins teams I can remember. And it's a, oh, yeah. They were that's fast. also a tactical thing. This is four-check attack on pressure on this. This is this is a very different team than we had with, with Claude. We got strong hints of it last year after Cassidy took over. But after watching that game, it's like, this is, this is a different animal. This is a, a Bruins I've never watched. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cassidy doesn't have the shackles on him anymore. Yeah. The shackles of being interim. That he is free to do what he wants. And this is part of what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, where it's like, I think there's a shared philosophy in the, in the organization now, top to bottom, or well, at least Sweeney down, you know? And that's a very important thing. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That's all I can say. My takeaway from the game was it's going to be a fun season. And Ben came over to see us <laughs> and he was like, I love this team. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, with the game, I mean, the day of the uh, game one had uh, m- many, many Boston sports going on. And of the day, the Bruins ended up being my shining moment. Because, well, because I mean, the Pats one by one played an awful game, right? And then let's, let's talk said about the, the um, socks that night, the better. <laughs> well, yeah, but also the Bucks. Being a Bucks fan, they should have beat the Patriots that night, and they didn't. Once I said, they, the Pats played an awful, awful game that night, but they won. <laughs> and, and and the Bucks missed three field goals. Um, yeah, um, I, I'm going to tell you right now, as a Patriots fan, I'm not in panic mode because we're not in Game Six yet, right? Not in panic mode, but I there are problems. There are problems that have to get fixed. If they don't get fixed in the next week, they've got to be fixed by the bye week. Normally, six games in, you know what team you have. And I, I, I will tell you, as a as a Pats fan, I know what's going on with this team. You've got too many people who think they know what's going on. They think they know how to do it, and they're not. They're not receiving the coaching, and the coaching's probably not doing a good job of really hammering it home. You know, that's the thing about the Pats. This happens to every team. Too many years of success, they get cocky complacent pats have mostly dodged that bullet maybe it's finally catching up a bit well i mean there was a there was one year that was really noticeable it was 2009 and this team looks a lot like that 2009 team to me you know what look i'm not going to complain we've had a lot of success you're going to have blips i get it um i'm going to remain like hopeful uh but i i'm going to be a little realistic and i know that uh you know some years you have off years i think they'll still win the east though because the East isn't... I mean, the Bills are coming on, but they're not that great. As a Bucks fan, I want a new kicker. He's missed six kicks in two weeks. That's ridiculous. And that's also... That's, that's bad. That's really yeah. bad. And also, I want no more injuries because they lost the Pats 19-14, and they had four starting guys on defense out with injury, three of whom are pro bowlers. 
And when you're missing that, it's tough. And when you have no bye week anymore, because thank you, Hurricane Irma, we have no bye week to get healthy. So I just want no more injuries and a new kicker. All right. Incidentally, about how we wandered down this path, how there was competition for this game, right? You know, stuff like a you know, Pats game, playoff baseball. Ty Anderson had a story earlier that same day on, on EEI um, about how this team needs to be interesting and exciting and win to maintain attention. Yes. This team is, appears to be poised to do it. Maybe not the last part. We'll see how that goes long term. Obviously, it's one game. But they're definitely interesting and they're definitely exciting. Especially, so they're delivering on some in the important things what? here. <laughs> Especially with the Celtics kind of like going in on it almost this year. That's they're really going to be their main competition all year. The Celtics have a pretty much they have like three players or four players from last year's team still on the team. They they went for it, so it's, they do definitely need to stay interesting to kind of stay relevant. My my uh, Preds fan on on Twitter uh, was kind of trash talking a little bit as best as she can. Bless her heart. Anyway. I wanted to point out to her, she said something about how it was so quiet in Boston. And I'm like, Bruins are like the third to fourth most popular sports team in Boston. Okay. And on that night, you had the Red Sox in a playoff game, right? So I think people who might have actually been like, it might have had tickets for that game, might have decided to stay home to watch the Red Sox because what? there's there's a big overlapping uh, fan base. You had the Pats game, and there are lots of Pats people who will watch every Pats game, you know? Not to mention that they the Pats fans travel pretty well. You might have had people who went down there, mm-hmm. you know? And they might have had tickets to the, the game, too, you know? And like I said, the Bruins and the, the Celtics are vying for that third spot. It's just not, even though it's the home opener, you know, there weren't as many people there as I expected to see. The upper bowl was a zoo based on what I could see on TV, but the lower bowl, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the lower bowl tickets are, quite frankly, expensive. Yes. They're not Vegas expensive, but they're expensive. Okay. Uh, we've gone into that before. And I was lucky enough to have tickets down in the lower bowl. Uh, I actually got them on Ticketmaster itself. Like I went in at the scheduled time and I was able to get them and I refused three sets before. So I kind of had to make a choice or get off the pot. You know what I mean? Uh, so we had nice, t- uh, nice seats. I enjoyed them. But they're expensive. They're really expensive. I paid probably more than I wanted to pay, but mm-hmm. I was like, "What am I going to do?" I wanted to go season to opener against your second against your your second team. If, oh, there's and- game, if there's a game where you're going to splurge, that's the game. Right, right, exactly. And you know what? Can I tell you something? I think Nick Benino has ruined my love of the Predators because everything felt off. Like I didn't even love Roman Yossi as much as I should have in his new captain sweater. I'm just. I don't know. The, the, the team is, it, something felt wrong about that team, too. You know, like, I don't recall at any point noticing Subban. And okay, he, can I tell you something? Mm-hmm. It fucking drives me nuts that Bruins fans still boo P.K. Subban. Yes, I get it. He can be really annoying. Yes, he was a hab. And yes, he was super annoying when he was a hab. I get it. But do you understand what a bad look it is? To be booing P.K. Subban at this point when he's not on a Habs team. Do you get it? It ain't good. (laughs) If you want to sit there and say racism has no part in our game, that's not a good look. That booing him every time he touched the puck. Guess what? Alexi Yemelin, who's also a shitty ex-Hab. And, a sh- and, then, well, and was always were, like more habbier than P.K. ever was. The guy who would just go and say, hey, that Tyler Sagan kid who's supposed to be so good at hockey, you know, he's your little star player. Let me go cross check him. And then Chara decided, oh, no, you don't. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. He deserved it. 
You know what? Okay. Here's the thing about Alexei Emelin is he's a joke because one time he tried to go knee on knee with Lucic and Luce just mowed him down. He missed the rest of his season with with his own knee injury. Right. Alexei <laughs> Emelin is just as shitty an ex-hab as P.K. Subban. Did anybody fucking boo when he got the puck? No. No, they and here's didn't. the thing about that is Subban's likable. There's nothing likable about, about Emelin. No. I don't care if he's got a metal plate in his head. Too fucking bad. You're a shitty guy. You're a shitty, shitty Russian player. Fuck you. Felt good to yell about shitty ex-habs. Mm-hmm. It really, really did. I enjoyed that. But still, I think my point is pretty clear there. <sighs> I agree. So, otherwise, that game, it's, it's, it's segued nicely. I think it's, it's time to, you know, obviously, game of the week. Only one game played this week, so that sort of writes itself. I know. I, I was, I was like, smiling like that because I saw a kitty ear in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was expecting her to walk right across, and she didn't do it. No, you know. All the animals have made an appearance today. <laughs> Oh. Well, Mr. Morgan hasn't, but he's somewhere being an asshole. Well, he's a cat, right? I mean, yeah. I came, I woke up this morning and he had knocked over all the stuff on my desk and was like looking out the window at birds. And I was yeah. just like, really? I get the impression even by cat standards, he's an asshole. So Yeah, he, he definitely <laughs> Relative is. to other cats, even. <laughs> my cats growing up were not assholes. I had lots of cats that were not assholes, but I've met lots of cats that have been assholes. <laughs> I think Mr. Morgan's to the point, he's like 14. He's just like kind of like the get off my lawn type thing. Oh, he's just past the point of no fucks to give, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cats already don't have fucks to give, but they have even less at a certain point, I guess. He's at this point in, in, in the negative giving fucks um, uh, category. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that was a, a great splash of a way to start the season. We talked about that a little bit already, but some people looked really, really good. Namely, Krejci and all the kids. Right. All of them. Um, well, wasn't Krejci like number one star or something of the night? Oh, he had three assists. He hasn't had a three, a three assist game since 2014. Yeah, I know. Like, so, so since he was playing with Luchin again, let still. <laughs> like, I, I know this is like an overused phrase, but he was vintage Krejci. He was vintage. And they really needed him to be. And you mind you, this is the first time he started a season in years truly healthy, right? It's like last year, you know, he probably came back early from his off-season hip surgery, and he'd been skating on that hip injury for two years at that point. And I, of course, had said that I didn't think he'd ever be fully healthy again. I was skeptical. But the good thing about Krejci, and this is funny what some people criticize, is that because his name, because he's so always been so slow, and speed has never been a part of his game. There's no such thing as losing a step when you skate about as fast as a bulldozer on skates. Well, no, but his game was definitely affected. But there was definitely, exactly. My, my point is, though, is uh, people would say, oh, he's going to lose a step as a what step? It's, it, it never, his game's never predicated on having a step. But, like, it, it was vintage great to look, even though he's slow as shit, the entire game, the other team included, slows down around him. It really, he, he was classic Matrix, warping space-time. It, it might be because he's a, a son of the time-traveling dick wizard. I mean, easy math on that one. He is Czech. Uh. <laughs> just saying. Like, maybe he's just modeled his game after him. After yeah. a while, you just slow down, but you still play. Speaking still of which, effective. just want to say this. Yager photobombing an interview with the traveling Yagers. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the traveling Yagers are probably excited because, one, they're based out of, like, Alberta or Calgary specifically anyway. Yeah. Now they just have to find their new player. I mean, so they no longer have to there. travel to Yager. They just need to Yeah, they're up. the stay-at-home Yagers, as I saw <laughs> on a tweet the other night. Yeah. See, I think... I'm of the belief now that they don't add an extra Yager, that the extra Yager is now just Yager. After the photobomb, 
It's just him. <laughs> oh, no, they've got to add another one because uh, Yager's ego won't allow them to not add at least one more. Here's the thing, too. Yeah. They can add as many Yagers as they want just to, you know, keep inserting Czech national jerseys from all the different tournaments he's played in over the infinite amount of time he's played for the Czech Republic. Sure, sure. They're going to sell out the stadium because of uh, the traveling Yagers. <laughs> Yagers infinite, which means that every jersey ever, if you strip math time out long enough, is going to be Yagers. Why don't you just, you know, do that? Yeah, I, I met them in, in Edmonton. They came up to the uh, the uh, Oilers-Devils game, which was my first ever game. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. They even actually spotlighted them in the crowd, which was hilarious. And then I saw them after the game and took a picture with them. Nice. I didn't know that. I have only shown you that picture like 500 times, but okay. I have no memory of this. <sighs> Maybe I'll have to dig it up and then post it on Twitter if I can find it. I would I would I would endorse that. Yeah. Also, they're a great follow on Twitter, the traveling augers. Oh yeah. Okay, I'll have to look into that. So anyway, top on topic. Crazy was a beast. And the kids. Oh the kids. So that first goal, Pasternak and Pasternak on the power play. The set play to lead into that, McAvoy, at least I think it was actually a fake, not a chuff, appears to fake a slapper. He and Pasternak do a crossover on the points, drop past to, 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 to Pasternak. One timer right into the net. That was a beautiful play to watch unfold. It was. <laughs> so that was the first. And then the next goal was that was that was DeBrusque, which was just exactly what they've been saying he is, right? You know, fast. He's a mucker. He gets right into this to this boss to do him. I do the tap ins. Good series of setups. It was a gorgeous pass Bjork to Krejci to DeBrusque, if I recall, right? Yes, it was. And then we got a McAvoy goal. So first NHL goals for both DeBrusque and McAvoy, both of whom had two-point nights. Uh, One-point night from, from Bjork, who was probably the best player on the ice in the first period. Oh, yeah. I, I Even would though definitely. he somehow didn't have any shots on goal that night, apparently, but he was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. His speed was definitely part of that game. Now, one thing I will say about the kids is McAvoy did show that he is a young defenseman. He got caught behind the play a few times, and that's why, part of why he ended up taking three penalties. Um, I think, what was it? Uh, hooking twice and a trip or something like that. One of them was holding, yeah, yeah. And the I kinds was of actually... penalties you take when you're trying to when you're trying to scramble to get back, which shows yeah. that he's fast and willing to do what's necessary to break up the break up a rush, even yeah. if it involves taking the penalty. He was but... pretty much, yeah, yeah. He was pretty much along the half boards on that one, and then he skated down there and held the guy, and that's how he got called on that. And I was surprised, honestly, I was surprised it wasn't a penalty shot. I was like, Under... please don't let it be a penalty yeah. shot. I think if there was anyone between the, I think there was another skater between the um, guy he held and the net that's why okay yeah well um, whew, we we dodged a bullet there is what but like um, point being is, he did even then though under that circumstances you're better off taking the tripping penalty take causing a penalty shot than allowing the breakaway goalie true, can set because, the goalie can set up much better for a penalty shot than they can for a breakaway absolutely right except that i have to say that i've seen uh tuka do both <laughs> and I get a little nervous because you never know exactly which Tuca you're going to have, even though Tuca played very well throughout most of the game. I, I, will, I will agree. He is not, uh, that is one of the weak points in Rask's game is um, penalty shots and the shootout. Right, right. <laughs> so it's like, can you understand as a fan? I'm like, oh, please. And it, it was worrying for nothing. I mean, he just went to the box. Yeah. Um, so all in all, I said some flaws. Again, he's a 19 year old defenseman in this league, but he did exactly what he needed to do to make up for his mistakes. Even it involved taking a penalty. And um, if you look at time on ice, he was actually second with defensemen on time on ice. He had 20 minutes and only Chara had more with 23. Oh, okay. I didn't, uh, I didn't check time on ice. That's nice. So he's he's definitely getting the time. And I, I know today in practice he was on a third line pair uh, with Miller. But it's I think that he'll he's going to get more ice time than that of 
Honestly, though, I mean, look at those pairings, those 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 three pairings. I would, I suspect, long term, we're going to see very shocking, unusually even ice time distributions. At least, at least even strength anyway between the three pairs. I I think that uh, I think that Cassidy is doing the pairing thing just to make it nice for people reporting on this stuff. But I I think what you're going to see is more often like what you saw at the end of that game, where he basically threw certain defensemen out on the ice twice as yeah. much as other defensemen. So it's like you didn't really see Grizzlick in the final five minutes. You uh, saw Carlos sparingly, but that you saw like twice as much Chara, twice as much McAvoy, and twice as much uh, McQuaid. Oh yeah. But over the long term in general, basically, I mean, those three pairings, so that's, you know, you know, you know Chara, Carlo, um, uh, Krug, McQuaid, Miller, McAvoy. Honestly, you could probably do pretty good work in even in as close to even distribution of three lot three pairings as any team can do. You know, there are at least three teams with a better top four than us. Unambiguous when they're all healthy. I would say when healthy, Preds, Calgary, and probably actually Arizona now. After picking up uh, Yalmers and then Demers, it's a, I put that top pair against mo- that top four against most teams. But all those teams drop off hard on the third pairing. We don't have that. Our pairings are there is. Uh, our three best, our, our three or four best defensemen are spread out between the four pairings. Yes. I just want to say something as a, a Preds fan as well. That team the other night would be a totally different team if Ellis were have healthy. I think we're going to see through this fall how important Ellis is to that group. Mm-hmm. Um, probably more than he's generally been considered. I think he tends to be the afterthought defenseman of the top four. I think that's hilarious because I don't think of him that way, but okay. Oh, no, but in general, that's the impression I get from media and Twitter and so forth. I think it's because he's undersized. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a guy who's 5'9". They might say he's 5'10 or 11, but he's 5'9". Yeah, and I've uh, read people that suggest his game is one that's hard to understand, too. Because there's a lot of nuances to what he does that are unusual. But. I think I think if you watched just about like maybe not the final series, but if you watched um, any of the series before the final series, you could totally understand. What well, I mean, Ellis was the big name the year before during their their, their previous playoff uh, bid, right? You know, the one that was tanked by Weber being tired and Weber. <laughs> well, yeah, Ellis um, was a big name that one. He was he was sort of a playoff hero for those two rounds. Well, I, I think what what did them in was the the Barrett Jackman and Anthony Boteto third pairing, which they'd put on the ice for about thirty seconds, pull them off, and then put Yossi and, and Weber on for another minute and a half. That's what killed him. Yeah, when you're tired, you don't do a good job. Surprise that I I mean I I get it. Love Violet didn't have much to work with with the third pairing. I would have maybe put more broke that extra minute and a half over over a bit more between the first two pairings in that scenario but you know you know torch is gonna but you have to remember (laughs) that elkholm wasn't elkholm Elkholm had a breakout year last year he was good the year before but he i think he had a breakout year last year so he didn't know exactly what he had in that pairing and he didn't have pk suban you know, I will say Ekholm and Ellis being on different pairings seems to have been a major, a big, important change there too. And you have to remember the other night you had Roman Yossi and Matt Irwin. Remember Matt Irwin? Who yeah. Could, yeah. I mean, he was, that was your top line defenseman for the Preds and they got beat, you know? Um, but I mean, I think that we, you know, it was great. My takeaways from the game, great to see all the youth working out. Great to see Krejci just 
back and form. Um, Grass can and, killer game too. And yep, and you know it's basically his game started to fall apart in those final minutes, but everything was falling apart in the final. I mean, six on three. Yeah, <laughs> six on three is pretty tough to overcome. And really, I know last year Rask started out really hot and played well enough. If he can kind of do that again, that would be huge. He he kind of is one of those slow starters. I think another you know, big thing too is um uh, we already saw late last year that it's pretty clear Cassidy trusts Dobby more than Claude did. So hopefully that means that we don't start Rask more than 55 to 60 games rather than 65. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would that would definitely also be huge. I think 50, ideally I think 55 games would be how much you would want. I, I wouldn't start Dobby more than that. So 55 is about where I'd, where I'd shoot. I don't think I'd want Rask only starting 50 games because I think that's giving way too much to Dobby at that point. But yes, I'd like to not see more than 60 games then. Yeah, that's exactly it. And you know he's going to play in more because this is just the nature of the game. Well, exactly. That's why you only count starts, not games played, because there's always yankings and, and right, so forth. Right, right, yeah. right. So I'm just saying 60 is a good sp- start. He might play in th- 63, you know? That's pretty much what he did recently-ish at some point. I was looking at stats. I don't remember yeah. what year it was, so don't quote me on that. But let, let's just get back to the game one more time because I, I want to point out about Brad Marshan and his improbable shorthanded backhand goal. Yeah. <laughs> because he was, like, they were right in front of us when that was happening, yeah. and then shoo, it goes down, and we're all like, oh! And it was the one rare time that we were like, oh my god! <laughs> now here's the thing about that too, is thank god for that goal, because um, that would have made that the, the chaos of the last couple, the last three minutes, that much worse. Mm-hmm. Yep, because uh, the Preds scored on you twice. Yeah, you know, and they had more room to go. So yeah, I just want to point out that thing because we love Brad, and it was just so improbable, and he just did it. Of and it course, was like, it was Brad, and he didn't. It was like he was just. He's like, I'm just getting this puck out of here, and it's like, and you scored. It was like the best circumstance ever. So even though people might have scored their first goals and uh, better goals, and in, in some circumstances. I, I want to say that's like my goal of the week because it was just like so weird mm-hmm. and needed and needed. So, yeah, I know it's a it's one game that was one of the more overall top to bottom fun Bruins games. I can specifically remember watching in quite some time. Not since like the, during that fire wagon run in, in late tw- in late 2011. It was before you were watching VA, I think. But uh, OK, this would have been that following fall, that end of that year, November, December. That was when the team went insane and we're scoring like that. That's when six six goals became quota, and it was oh. like happening every game. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, like they got and, and they they got called out in the media for shelling Calgary back into the Stone Age for ten goals one game. Um, too bad. Yeah, it's or like <laughs> should have probably tried to score some goals. It, yeah, if you don't want us to score, play defense. I don't believe in the mercy rule, even if my team is getting beaten. Oh, I was gonna say no. Go to fucking town. Put those yeah. pucks in the goddamn net. Because at this point, it's like it's just practice after a while it's like okay well just get it in you know yeah. I, I, I mean it's sports but it's not like little league okay but yeah, yeah but i think apart from the 20 the 2013 playoffs that is the last time i had that much fun watching a bruins game as they compared to last night yeah wow. So this, this, we've agreed that this Cassidy era is looking to be fun. And I say this as someone who, who loves and cherishes everything about Claude, but I'm kind of excited about a completely different style of Bruins hockey. I'm excited about it, and one thing I'm really excited about as well, we're seeing some of Sweeney's draft picks now play, and I think a lot, most of it, a lot of his draft picks are going to shut people up. That's it. We got, we got three Sweeney draft picks as roster players now, and what, we have 
two guys on the uh, two guys from that from the um, uh, the last Chia draft on now with you know Heinen probably our first call either Heinen or Solarik our first call ups so you know Heinen probably before Solarik depending on the on the on the role and position the post 2013 drafts are really really looking good and i just accidentally segued us to the last point didn't i <laughs> no no you didn't because i'm going to interject here and say that you know you know i do a, a fair mer- amount of writing uh what we call morning free associations over on bobby de Berge, and i try to interpret news that we get about things and and i've been trying to yes i realize that i i've been spinning things uh because you can look at the youth movement in two ways one you're gonna look at it like you didn't go and overspend in free agency like everybody else does to get veteran players in here. Or you can look at it like it's time to see what we have. It's time to see the draft picks actually do things. This is what I've been trying to emphasize on the site. It's what I've been trying to emphasize in private conversations. And it's something I've been trying to emphasize here. Maybe I don't know. I don't really know how well I'm coming off on this. But the thing is, is that um, you can sit there and shit on your team all you want, right? Uh, this week, my, 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 if I were giving a sermon, my sermon would be, don't shit on your team, okay? Far too early to do that. You, if you lighten up a little bit and look at your team, you're going to see some delightful results, you know? I don't want to shit on this team right now. I think last year, I shit on the team a little bit too much, and it turned out to be different than I expected. Was I heartbroken when Claude was fired? Yep. Uh, did I think that was a bad direction? Kind of probably. And is it a bad direction? No, it's not. It's fine. I think this game is going to be a little freer. It's going to be more fun. I think uh, what we need to do at this point is enjoy hockey again. I think so. And this, the, the way they're playing this, it's just a we're being put in a position to be able to do that. Right. Because bad right. Claude hockey was a fucking grind. I think oh even bad God. Cassidy hockey will be fun because it'll be chaos. And who doesn't love chaos? <laughs> <laughs> I personally love chaos a little well, bit. That, 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 see, that's what I'm saying. Is even bad Cassidy hockey is probably going to be fun. And we're right. probably going to have like seven to five games and ridiculousness and like six on threes. <laughs> hey, they survived the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, uh, we still have the personnel to pull that stuff off. So it, it's fine. It's fine. I think it's going to be fun. You know, um, if you want to be a negative Nelly about it, go ahead. That's fine. I don't think you'll quite fit in with us. And, and we might listen to you to a point, but, you know, embrace it. Embrace the fun. Please, Bruins fans, embrace it. I get so much negative from all the other teams I follow. Please embrace the fun. Let's be positive. I beg you so much. It's like they're there's always something that you can criticize uh, your team about and it can be very valid but if you're going to sit there and just be crappy about your team if you're just going to say nothing but negative things and not even look at what could be a positive or what is a positive then why are you even a a fan of that team I don't get it I really don't break the narrative embrace change look at what's going on and think about how things are different just remember, the people that complain about this stuff are the, the, the seriously hypocritical types, too, though. They're the ones that say, oh, never overspend in free agency, but then turn around and say, oh, the Bruins had a quiet offseason. They probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm glad. The, I, I would have liked to, to have seen if they could have signed uh, Drew Stafford to something, but he couldn't wait around forever. Honestly, I'm looking at this team. I don't see what purpose he would have served. Well, and see, and it's fine. It's fine. We already arguably have at least one more veteran than we should have on this roster. Bolesky, but... But you know what? Um, I think it's uh, Anthony who said he was going to bounce back and have a, a big year this year in his bold prediction, so... 
I don't even think it's that bold. I don't think we're going to see first season Boston Bolesky, which everyone seems to have forgotten, was really good. It was better than the season before we signed him, but no one seems to remember this. I don't understand that at all. It's like, yes, Bolesky was abjectly awful last year. There is no talking it out of it, injury or no. That was an impossibly bad season. I don't think we're going to see for season one Bolesky again. I just but, want the midpoint and we'll but, be good. But, but you do realize why Bolesky didn't ever come back to form, right? It was a bad injury. Yeah. And... Nobody bounces back from a knee injury. No. No one does. It's In fact, I wouldn't even think that this year he would be his bounce back year because it'll be still under a year since he had actually, and just over a year since he actually injured himself. I would think next year would be the year that he would finally recover. But, but if he doesn't have a solid bounce back this year... Um, there might not be a next year. Well, exactly. Remember, he's 29 right now. Oh, um, my God. Again, I'll get, you know, I'll get his coffin ready. Again, we're talking hockey here, so... <laughs> I know you make the jokes, but it it facts remain. <laughs> the point being is, and it makes me uncomfortable. You know, like the guys that you know, for uh, for example, my age, I would have been in that in in the in the huge two thousand three draft class. The guys that were drafted when they drafted the year, I would have been. People are all are, are all starting to come apart. <laughs> I would uh, want to talk about, which is something that Jeff was trying to seg into a little while ago, was some other things that happened this week. Things that we've touched on a few times here and there about uh, Malcolm Subban. He got claimed on waivers by the Las Vegas, by the Vegas Golden Knights. Last week, we talked about how it, he had to be on waivers to get down to Providence, and that they were taking their time about that. Uh, but you know, they finally did it. They they put him on waivers. They had no choice. They had to set the roster at that point. And he in no way had outplayed um, either of the other contender goaltenders, goalies for backup for backup job. He was stronger this preseason than he's been in the past, but that's not actually saying a lot. No, no. Um, I, I the big problem that that people are having this week is the the perceived value of Malcolm Subban. Okay, now I can't imagine that he didn't try to uh, trade Malcolm at some point, and he had no takers. Yeah, because he had zero trade value. People don't understand that trade value and waiver pickup. If someone picks you up on waivers, does not mean they would have traded for them. Nope, because they picked him up because they were free. Right, exactly. And I've, I've gotten arguments with people on Twitter on this before. It's like, oh no, if someone, if someone took him, they obviously wanted him as, well, no. No, they wanted him for nothing. That is to say, less than a seventh round pick, which incidentally, you would have bitched if we got a seventh for him too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know what? No matter what happened in this case, uh, uh, people were going to, to be upset about it. Not necessarily because of Malcolm the player, but because of perceived value. Yeah, Malcolm the concept. Yes. Malcolm, yes. the 2013 first round pick, which we'd already clearly know was, was a wasted asset at this point. See, I still would have liked to have gotten that seventh round pick. I'm just like that guy. I, I don't even think liked... he was worth that. Again, and... if you if you lose someone on waivers, they were on waivers because you couldn't trade him. That's true. Even a conditional pick that like if you play that you may not even get a pick out of it. Just like just something for me would have made it see- feel better. made me feel better. However, I mean, Vegas is going on all in on him with their back. I have a good point here. I have been a person who does not necessarily um, see the value in draft picks, okay? Uh, there probably is a value if you get something in return for them. Okay, no, 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 let me continue. Okay, so, but basically, this year, when the Pittsburgh Penguins traded their first round pick for Ryan Reeves, yes, Ryan Reeves, that showed me that people do not value draft picks each year as the same commodity, okay? First round and one of their higher-ranked prospects in, in Oscar Sundfisk, instantly, right. incidentally. But right. not, the, not, not the point, sorry. <laughs> the, the point is, is that um, people... 
assign arbitrary values to these things. And, the, you know, the thing is, is that nobody wanted Su- uh, Subban for draft picks, prospects, or whatever, but they wanted him for whatever they could pick up on waivers, which was just taking his contract on. That's it. He, exactly. He is, he is worthwhile found money. Found money, not paid for. Um, and it's yeah, people are angry about it, and you're just like, oh look, at, look, the Bruins have not a single of their first overall of, of their first picks, not necessarily first round, but first picks from you know 2007 to, to, to 20 to 2013, which is fucking dishonest. Extending it to 2013 because our first pick was you know was it was was Linus. Mm-hmm. And he was, a who, was so, who was the second to last pick of the second round. Yep. Um, so that's Although I got to tell you, if you actually watched Linus Arneson play, you would think like, what the fuck were they thinking? Oh, Sorry. agreed. Yes. Um, and besides, there's other things about that. So you, can't, you know, people criticize Zach Hamill. We picked him where he was ranked by Central Scouting. Incidentally, Tommy Cross also was our, sec- was our second round pick that year. But uh, anyway, besides the point, Joe Colborn, um, he's been a bust. You know what, though? Until very, until getting waived this week, Joe Colborn was still in the NHL. And we did get value on him because he was part of the package that brought in, that brought in Thomas Caberlet and say what you will. We won the cup. So clearly Caberlet had some had, had some role in that, regardless of how meh he was for us. Um, okay. Jordan Caron. Okay, fine. Fair enough. That was a bad pick. Mm-hmm. They gave him... Ch- ch- they gave him so much time to develop. So much time. And he just wasn't anything. In the AHL, he looked great at times. He really did. I saw him. But at, at the NHL level, he couldn't cut it. So you know what they call that? Career AHLer. Yeah. Or, you know, a guy that probably could go to Europe and succeed. A Chris Bork, if you will. Um. Okay, so after that. Okay. Okay, the next two years, people have a point. But that's a different animal altogether. Because the next two years, of course, were Sagan and Hamilton. Anyway, moving on. No, I just... I want, I want to say one thing. Okay, ready? Um, I'm not going to feel bad about the Dougie thing. Dougie didn't want to be here, so fuck that guy. Yeah. Right. But anyway, my, they don't even fit the narrative that people are saying. It's like, all these first-round picks are no longer with the team. But what narrative are you trying to make? Were they bad picks? Were they traded un- unreasonably? Because, like, Joe Colborn still in the NHL only, until, very, until this week, basically. Joe, Joe Colborn was also a bad pick, but they turned him into value. Zach Hamill was a bad pick, but again, where he was projected. Really, the only actual bad picks in this entire run like like truly just like complete fucking failures where hamill um and we're, we're from perspective of what the Bruins made out of it where hamill carone and now malcolm and again malcolm was where he was projected to i don't think the point of that list was to point out like they, they were bad picks i think the point is that they're saying they're just not here anymore it's a, bl- a blanket statement yeah I, I don't i don't know what that was people don't post things like that without trying to make some sort of narrative and neither of them makes sense because there is no consistent narrative you can make with that apart from apart from that posternock the posternock draft is the only not shitty chiarelli draft the Bruins ever had i will, i do want to interject here i think draft picks are very valuable i'm one of the people that find value in every single draft pick however you also need to have the right player development team in place to draft the correct players for your team and for your style and that's a lot harder to do than people sometimes realize uh, i i think the narrative on that original list is basically um, we could have had all of these young players and they aren't here anymore regardless of whether or not they were good or, or not that's how i interpreted the list uh especially because you you had the likes of tyler sagan and fuck that guy hamilton on the list uh because 
because they're but probably they the, the only two players in the list that aren't office furniture. Right, but but <laughs> I'm just, look, we all know that narratives don't have to make sense; they just have to be okay. And, and people will push whatever narrative they want, and that one was so broad as to be interpreted in many different ways. And honestly, I think you're right. The guy that posted it probably had no agenda, but the problem is I don't follow that guy. I just follow the dozens of people that retweeted it, all of whom had an agenda. <laughs> right, right. So um, when was the first year that they had, what was it, uh, Wayne Gretzky's brother? Um, the first Keith Gretzky draft was the Pasternak, Donato, Heinen, Bjork, Johansson okay. draft. Okay, isn't that widely looked at as like one of the best drafts they've had in years? In a year that's also kind of a shitty draft class, we probably had unambiguously the best draft of anyone. Yeah. Right, right. So so basically, I think we can all agree that that's looked at as being probably the best draft in like uh, of the Shirelli era. Because technically the 06 um, wasn't Shirelli era yet. He was not officially our GM yet, even though almost certainly had a role in what happened there. And that's, it wasn't of course, until the, Canada Day. Yeah, so that's, you know, and that was the course that after Canada Day, he technically had no role in the signing of Chara and Savannah wink wink nudge nudge say no more say no more um but you know but yeah that that draft which was of course the the kessel luch um uh, marshan draft technically wasn't him that was jeff gordon so yeah technically. that draft also that day was when we traded for tuka rask really um uh, we, owe, we, owe, we owe i i i'm pretty sure bruins fans in fact still owe jeff gordon some sort of cake isn't he with the rangers now he's currently the rangers gm yes Right. Okay. Because I thought Sather moved on. Okay. Or moved on into a ceremonial rule and still kind of... Yeah, yeah. He fell up. Yeah. So, look, I'm fine with having that line in the sand there. You know, and of course, he left. Uh, Gretzky left. Uh, he went to Edmonton, didn't he? Yes. Yes. He is and now, Sh- I think, he's now Chia's uh, AGM, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, and Shirelli's there, of course, now, too. So they have the ability. But, of course, they they had good luck in getting the uh, number one overall pa- uh, draft pick so they could get McJesus. So, but they're also, they're, their first high pick that wasn't McJesus, that Chia did before getting Gretzky and um, Pula Jarvi is, uh, you know, year two, and he was collect- selected fourth overall and isn't in the league yet either, right? So, um, Chia's bad at this, is what I'm saying. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. Look. <laughs> I'm excited that Sweeney's draft picks are making it now. We're going to yes. see what he drafted. They're, and guess what? Now they get to prove if they have value or not because they're going to be on an, an a NHL roster or so, high AHL roster because that AHL roster is stacked. Yeah, speaking of which... Corey Pronman, um, so that's um, you know, uh, uh, you know, big, big, big independent scout used to be um, uh, Sports Illustrated, and that's now with the with the Athletic because everyone's with the with the Athletic now. Um, tweeted yesterday, he's like, oh, by the way, Jake DeBrus scored his first NHL goal before before Barzal or Killington, and of course the longstanding meme has been, oh, the Bruins can get he can get Connor and Barzal and Killington here. Never mind the fact that Killington didn't go to the end of the second round. Here's the thing. I think uh, Sweeney has a fantastic eye for talent in terms of young guys, in terms of seeing who's going to develop and things like that. He's not going for the blatant guys, right? Okay, McAvoy was an obvious choice, but he's not going for the guy, obvious jump outy guys. They're they're digging. They're clearly digging deeper, which is kind of what you want your player development crew to do. You but in want- a world of you know people wanting instant gratification, yeah, you're drafting thirteen, you're drafting thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth overall in 2015. People want the a draft with that much with that much sizzle. People want the sizzle when really when people want the sizzle for instant gratification purposes, right? Rather See, than rather than the steak, and we want the fucking. steak. 
mistake long term. I, I still Kyle Connor hasn't stuck that. on his team yet. Matt Barzell hasn't stuck on his team yet. John Oliver Killington probably never will. <laughs> See, I never understood the instant gratification coming from where baseball has been my favorite sport. You draft a guy, it takes anywhere from three to five, six years for him to make his major league team. I'm just like, let's wait and see what they do okay. because I'm used to it. I have an answer for that one. Is uh, People have you know done the math to say what the peak years for a forward is. And as a result, people have over-extrapolated that. And those numbers are accurate, absolutely. A, 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 peak, a forward will, will achieve peak production from 23 to 26. So the notion now is people have over-extrapolated from that. So, well, in that case, if a player isn't in the league by 21, they're a fucking failure. That's wrong. And and that's just the general rule. Some people are different. Well, that's just it. I mean, well, look, you know, you Brent outliers. Burns went crazy. Brent Burns, Brad Marshall, these guys are peaking way late, actually. Mm-hmm. Now, Brad's been good all along, right? But, you know... But last but, year, last year, thirty-eight goals at at, at twenty-eight. <laughs> but but you know what? I think it's it's nice to just say, okay, the peak years for a forward are between the ages of twenty-three and twenty-six. That's great and wonderful and good. But um, do you think that that's people a statistical just do this? range? Right, right. It's a statistic. Uh, no, yeah, that's, that's the point. Not everyone fits there. Right, right, right. You have outliers, <laughs> but the outliers rely on more than just talent. Okay, seriously, I, I've done a lot of reading on this shit. You know, do you think that Brad Marchand was just going to do that if he just kept going along, partying with Tar- Tyler Sagan and just doing whatever the fuck? No, he grew up. He Sagan grew leaving up. town is the best thing to ever happen to Marchand. Right. He he <laughs> grew up. He started focusing on himself, focused on his game, focused on his mental health, for God's sakes. Like, that's a really important thing. It's not talked about a lot, but we all know that he went to a sports psychologist. He could still be seeing that, that person. And you know what? If he is, that is great because he has done so much to not only improve his hockey game but he's improved his whole life and you know i'm a whole life person i like to see a well-rounded person doing these things i think brad is great he's doing a great job but it didn't it wasn't just talent alone he worked at this so hard in so many different ways and i think that you will look at other players who continue to to improve and thrive and have that extra uh gusto to make it they have done similar things and that's, well, and that's the thing. The, you can't measure heart. Well, see, that stuff, and you know, and it, that, that's all coming from our scouts and the interviews at the Combine, and the scouts talk, you know, like I've read enough of, of some from uh, Kirk Ludicky before he left before he left the business, you know, power to him, um, his, his stuff about how to scout, and it's like, you got to talk to coaches, both their coaches and their opponents. You got to talk to other people watching the game regularly banter with other with other scouts that are watching a lot of games. There's all that stuff you can't get from watching videos and looking at stat lines, and that's the problem with Twitter. Like, I don't profess to be um, an expert. I've watched a whole lot of Jakob Zaborl, and I still don't know what he is. No, um, I, I, think, uh, I think what it comes down to is you need a combination of different ways to look at, at players. Um, I like watching players and seeing what they do, and, and if you follow closely, you'll see nuances. Uh, but I'm not a scout, so yeah. And I there's can't reasons they interview the players and talk to their coaches. They do all these things for very specific reasons. I think one of the best examples, actually, going back to the Ludke example, is after the Trent Frederick pick. His initial response was sort of "Oh," <laughs> but then quickly he went he went and talked to um uh, not one of his own coaches, but um uh, um uh, Coach Quinn from BU who'd been trying to re- who tried to recruit Trent Frederick before he ended up going to um uh, to Wisconsin. And that's big part of what turns Ludicky around on Frederick before he had that killer freshman season. <laughs> Tuka had a niche. <laughs> it was a big itch. Ding, ding, ding. 
Okay, sorry. But anyway, back to Malcolm. It's a fucking shame. He's a good kid. He's got a good spirit. He's a hard worker. I hope he sees success. I really hope he sees success. And I think this year he'll do well as Vegas' backup just because he went through such a horrific injury. And we touched on this last week where with an injury that bad, it can take over a year to fully kind of get your bearing, to feel comfortable, to not play timid and things like that. Um, When you're when you get when you have something so bad happen, like it's the same thing if you like tear your ACL in your knee or something like that. It just takes a while to come back. Yeah, yeah. I wish him all the luck. I I think it's a shame that this is what happened. Um, I I know that the Bruins have a lot of other goaltenders in the system. I'm not looking at it like, oh my god, they lost this huge value because... On that related note, they immediately turned around and replaced him, kind of. Like, the day after we lost him on waivers, they signed um, undrafted uh, undrafted uh, junior player, 18-year-old Kyle Kaiser, who's playing for, I believe, the, the Oshawa, Oshawa Generals yes. in the OHL. Whom I'm guessing they saw quite a bit, because um, that's, uh, of course, um, uh, Jack Stenica's um, uh, team. He, he was also in the rookie camp. Yes, he was. Yes, so they did see quite a bit of him because he was there. Interestingly, too, you know, it's not often you see a guy who would have just been dra- who would who's still eligible to go back into the draft to get signed as a free agent. You usually don't get these guys in junior signed as undrafted free agents till after they've been through two cycles. He's only eighteen. He's eligible. He would have been eligible draft eligible next spring still. Yeah, but it, it is how I'd love to see the percentage of people who are going into their nineteenth year. How how often they get drafted? It's not uncommon. Tanner Pearson's probably a good example. It was his second draft eligible year. He still went in the first round when when, when the Kings picked him. Um, but it's not super. It's not super common. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but you also get guys who are who were you know drafted not signed and go back into the draft two years later. Uh, Connor Bleakley it would be an example. Um, he was um, drafted <laughs> before Pasternak <laughs> in 2014. Um, the Avs weren't going to sign him. He was traded to the his rights were traded to uh, Phoenix for to Arizona for the um, in in part of the Mikkelbodker trade. With the with the Yotes also having no intentions of signing him, this they would take the compensation second round pick. He went back into the draft, and I think the Blues signed him a late round pick. No, no, drafted him late round. We went back into the draft. So, I mean. I would think it as an 18-year-old, sign the entry-level deal. Why not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so point being is, uh, yeah, they signed him. So we still have, you know, four prospect goalies in in, in the system, right? Because, of course, we have, we have, we have Zane. We have Ladash. We just signed Kai... He did, I still can't fathom how that's the pronunciation. What the hell? Daniel what, what, what the hell? Check. Um, Kaiser now, and then of course we have Jeremy Swain and Swainman playing for um uh, for Maine for, for Maine this year. Yeah, Maine. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because uh, last week Daniel Valatash came up in conversation. He did, except he was called later. Ah, oh, not by me. No. It was Anthony. Valatash. Yes. So, uh, you know how I am. I like to have proper pronunciation names. No, you take seriously a serious issue with how long it took you to get us to say Grizzlick properly. Myself being one of the primary perpetrators, I know. <laughs> Grizzlick. I mean, it, it's it's a mouthful. It, it, it is, does not conform to lots of different languages. Now, the funny thing but... is, actually, when you really look at it, that is actually the most parsimonious pronunciation, but it's not the one you'd expect it to be, nonetheless. <laughs> well, because it looks like it is, it literally looks like grizzle check. Yeah, I, I honestly, it looks to me like it should be grill check, but... <laughs> I'm just going to start calling him Grizz from now on. 
Yeah, just call him Grizz. I mean, I never ever want to spell out JFK's full name or say it. Just JFK. At least it's all phonetic in his case. Yeah, yeah but I, I don't want to. I, I'm fine. I'm good. That's fine with me. Do you need help on the, the German names? You know, like Hishier. Uh, oh my god, I said it wrong. Hishier. Yeah, it's not Hishier, it's Hishier. He's Swiss. I mean, hypothetically, it could be um, French-Swiss, though. But I know he's yeah. not, but you know. Uh, hypothetically, but no, it, it's got an S-C-H. That doesn't happen in French. There. It happens in German all the time, like chocolada. And um, I'm running out of words here. Uh, Scheiza. And... <laughs> yeah, that's glided quickly. <laughs> Chocolate. Shit! <laughs> 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 Actually, Shiza is a mixture between shit and fuck. It's not very oh. polite at all. Oh, oh. oh I see. We were, yeah, I mean, it's like, if you want to say just, like, in German, saying, oh, shit, is just, like, fine. Which is why I kind of, I think, over time have said, ah, shit is not a swear word in my way of thinking about it. But it's like, uh, you can say, oh, shit, like like that. Or you can say, so I missed, and all all things like that. So, uh, Shiza is a little more impolite. Uh, but, of course, it's the second S-C-H word I could think of. Because I'm profane. But anyway, yes, I, I think what it comes down to is Malcolm, we lost him. It sucks. Um, but I think people are p- placing too much value on that for whatever narrative they want to. Um, I wish him luck. I hope everything works out really well. You know what? This way he gets to claim that whole salary too. Good for him. Because he's, it's, it's a two-way deal. It means he gets the, you know, couple hundred thousand he's paid rather than, you know, much, much less by virtue of he's going to be on an NHL roster because they proceeded to waive and uh, waive and then trade Calvin Picard. Right. So I it's think totally... it's fitting that he ends up on Vegas too. Just because we talk so much about it. Would he end up on Vegas? Would Vegas take him in the in the draft? Would they take him? Nope. But then he just ends up there anyway. On a related note, um, Vegas, he ruins things. Oh, and that brought up people complaining about Colin Miller again, too. Oh, fuck off. Meanwhile, meanwhile I got a message from Ben on, uh, on on Friday night saying seeing that he was shocked that Colin Miller made their opening roster. I'm like, really? They have two right defensemen in their entire system. Of course he made their opening night roster. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know what? I think... That over time, we are going to see the Colin Miller thing as being not a big deal. But I think other people are still going to make a big deal about it. Um, And that's fine. Whatever. I don't care. Uh, You know, I still maintain, uh, and I'm right so far, I I still maintain that the Preds were in a worse off position losing James Neal. Oh, unambiguously. He's a much bigger impact player than uh, than Colin Miller is. That's not even a really matter for debate. I, I, but Jeff, just let me be right. <laughs> I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying it's like I'm not entirely. I'm not sure that's a good example, but that's all. Jeff, it's a good example right now because how many goals does James Neal have? Three, three, three. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Colin Miller, I'm sure he's fine and whatever. I don't really care. Not only you know does he really... have three goals, he has two game winning goals in two games. <laughs> Bye, Malcolm. I think we should probably move on into. Oh, well, Jeff is here. Oh. So he could do some sexy schedule reading. We didn't do it last week because it just didn't seem right. Well, folks, um, we have a few different games this week, but uh, against decidedly unsexy opponents. (laughs) But everyone needs loving, too. Starts off tomorrow, it's Monday the 9th, with a Manatee hockey game against the Avalanche at 1 p.m. at the Garden. Yeti's coming back to town. Oh, oh, that's true. We'll get there. 
we will get there. Um, then on Wednesday, where the uh, Bruins are playing in Colorado against the Avalanche again, and uh, our very own VA will be there. Maybe, maybe if I if I get the tickets. <laughs> Ticketmaster willing. <laughs> oh, I'll go off on that in a little while. Go ahead. Followed by an away game at Arizona on Saturday the 14th at 9 p.m. Um, it's the Coyotes. In the desert. It's hot there. Um, but then the second night of a back-to-back next Sunday, the City of Sin. Bright Light City gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. <laughs> Got a whole lot of hockey that's ready to burn. So get those stakes up high. <laughs> I'm gonna give them everything they got. Lady Lux with me in the dice are hot. <laughs> <laughs> How did I make it that far without losing my shit? I don't know. <laughs> See, and you were sitting there saying you didn't have it. Blacked out for a minute there. What happened? Um, uh, <laughs> all good. Just continue on. <laughs> Which uh, Vegas VA is also going to be there <laughs> again if I get the tickets. Vegas, oh, I'm going to go off on it. I am. Vegas. Okay, why don't I just start off here? Kids don't ever. Now. Okay, kids don't ever use NHL ticket exchange for out-of-market things unless you want to rearrange your travel plans uh, or possibly get the tickets at 6.59 on the night of the game. Um, I'm sure it's totally fine. Do StubHub. So much less hassle. Ah, God, I've been on the phone like every day for days trying to get this sorted out. I'm supposed to be out in those areas whether or not I actually get to the games. We'll find out. Um, but uh, I'm I'm just pissed off because I lost a day in Denver. We were just going to get there a day early and just putz around like you're supposed to. And I can't do that now. And I can't rearrange the rest of my trick just because of that. StubHub's frustrating to, to work with sometimes. Yeah, but you know what? When I've worked with them, I've not had this issue. I mean, it was a tight thing. I got the tickets on either the Tuesday or the Thursday before we left. But I'm struggling to even just get them. Like, I thought I was being proactive talking to them 10 days beforehand. I shouldn't have had to talk to them 10 days beforehand. And no. the delivery date on on the Avs tickets was the day of the, the game. Who fucking does that? That's that's crazy because they get those tickets. They if if it, if you bought them from a re uh, from a secondary market, we get those tickets probably in August ish. I ordered them in August. That's I when ordered we, them in August. That's when we get them, and then we immediately go through, send them out, and get everything done right away for all the orders that are done. So, like, I don't understand how it's taking the, so long. The two orders were August 13th and 14th, and you're telling me on August 5th that you can't get the tickets to me? October. Or that you're going to? Well, uh, what? Is it August 5th? me October 5th. Oh, October 5th. Yes. Yeah. I, I ordered them two months ago. It's just fucking ridiculous to me, so... I, I just, I can't 
I can't recommend their their guaranteed resale. This is their their you know the NHL is partnered with them as a resale agent, and they can't get it right. You know. Yeah. So, like I said, even if it were an in market game, I bet you I'd get those tickets at like six fifty nine on the day of the game. And Bruins games, I don't know if you notice this, they tend to start at seven. Ugh. Anyway, I'm sorry, I had to bitch fest, but that was a beautiful rendition of um, the the sexy schedule reading. I had to bitch before, I mean after. So, <sighs> bare necessities. I've already had two beers today. They've worn worn off. But uh, yeah, so what are we uh, doing for bare necessities this week? I don't know what I'm doing. It'll be a game-time decision. I still have most of the bottle at Valentine's on Thursday, so that's what we're rolling with until it's gone, then who knows. Yes, yes. Let's talk about that real quick. Uh, So we did have a poll question. We had eight votes. Um, I think that some of the votes might have come after you told us what you were getting because I set the poll too late. You set the poll really long then. (laughs) I did. I'm going to set it much shorter this next time, but... uh, yeah, so we had about it's it split between Valentines and th- and White Russians for three each. Why would three and, people vote for the White Russians? Because it was, was an unpleasant experience. It was the best <laughs> choice. People love me. They picked what I wanted. Yeah, people don't love me, and it makes me very upset because they never pick what I want. And, and we had another poll where we talked about what we would name that first line. You know, that first line we haven't seen yet, but uh, we will see it at some point. Uh, and I thought it would be the Killer Bees because Brad, Bergy, and Bjork. And then Tim thought it was BAM because it is Bergy, Anders, and Marshan. That sounds about right. No naming confirmation whatsoever, but that's okay. Uh, there were five votes on that, and BAM won in a landslide. APG. I'll post bulletin. I'll post Bolton, Anders, Anders, Patrice, Patrice. Brad. That we were actually using the same half of their name all the way through, which none of the other scenarios did. (laughs) He's so smart, Tim. So smart. Well, maybe that will go for the showdown against Bam. I don't know. We'll see. There's some possibilities, too, with APB. You can be like, let's put an APB out on a goal here. Exactly. (laughs) Bam. (laughs) And then Bam. Goal. Use them both. <laughs> Nobody loves me. No, no, they don't. Okay. Um, yeah, so those were the two poll results from last week. I'm still thinking I, I had a poll idea in my head, but... Oh, I do have a poll idea. Okay, good. All right, so... Bare necessities. So you still have the Valentines. I do. What about you, Tim? You actually gonna watch the Bruins hockey games this week? Oh no, that was Anthony. I'm sorry. I'm not making fun of you, Tim. I'm making fun of Anthony. I still watched, <laughs> even though it was on my laptop. I watched. I am uh still hating my liver. Um, okay. Not with not with black velvet though. Um, I am uh going to some twisted teas. <laughs> And not only that, I am doing the good old uh, seasonal frosted cherry. Oh, wow. 
And I've never heard of that one. Um, I've decided to go with the uh, big boy cans, like the 24-ounce cans, because <laughs> they're on sale right now at my local gas station. And um, I'm on number three of the podcast right now. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say you wanted you wanted one of uh, you wanted to get those because they look really good in both of your hands. No, no, they're just they're on sale and it's actually cheaper to do that than buy like a twelve pack or a six pack. <laughs> and here I was just drinking normal beer. I think it's like two for three fifty or something like that. Oh. So, <laughs> um, oh no, <laughs> that's quality. When normally they're like almost three dollars a piece, so two for two three for the price of one. Yeah, so uh, I bought a bunch, and I, like I said, I've had three during this podcast. I'm on number three during this podcast, so yeah. <sighs> My liver loves me so much. I may break it up a little bit. Um, the same gas station has uh just got in the uh traveler beer company uh jacko Tra- uh jacko traveler that's what it's called and it's they're like they call it a shandy but it's really not much of a shandy it's pumpkin though and it's really good i actually it's it's actually i actually like it better than shipyard pumpkin ale which stinks because shipyard is my main staple but um the traveler beer company out of vermont they do some pretty good work with their uh with their beers they have a lot of ones that i like and uh they have like a grapefruit run that's really good they have a pineapple one that's really good all right excellent uh, i'm gonna guess that uh nick's gonna drink like i said pbr last week and i thought well maybe i should have been said never against it but he's a poor student poor yeah, he's gonna get box one yeah probably. he's gonna get something cheap so pbr but or box one box one our and uh, I don't know about Anthony. Yeah, Anthony mixes it up. So he doesn't it's... have the dragon's breath anymore. So it's no fun. Because he doesn't want. So he no longer has a bottle of hate at his bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Uh, so we've got all that stuff done. I think we just have to wrap up the show, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. I should just record this and just insert it in every episode because. It's more fun watching you try to remember them all. Yeah, I know. Getting old, have no memory. Uh, okay, so you can find us on SoundCloud. If barely in topic, you can find us on so many different platforms: iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Stitcher. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, I'm sure there are others, but I can't really remember them. You can contact us at. Uh, on Twitter at Barely on Topic. You can find us on Facebook at Barely on Topic Podcast. Uh, it was fun having the poll, so why don't we throw another poll out there? Yeah. Is VA going to get her tickets? Yes, no. Oh, no, no. We're not going to do that because that would just make me angry. Um, here's a very simple poll. How much fun is this team to watch right now? Lots of fun? No I fun? I think so. Lots of fun, lots of fun, and lots of fun. You choose. <laughs> That's kind of how... Lots of fun, lots of fun, lots of fun. I hate fun. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. Okay. 
So, yeah, we'll post that up uh, shortly around the time of the podcast uh, thing, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, so I think that's pretty much it. Timmy, you want to take us out? Word!